Olaf. So for people listening on the podcast, uh, we've just had the airing of Bob Newhart's skit on, it's called Stop It. So for concern of, of copyright issues, we're not going to be broadcasting this on the podcast, but if you uh, go onto YouTube and go for Bob Newhart's Stop It, then you can hear what we just heard here. Uh, when I run these things in the beginning, they're not just for entertainment. Even the music the other day, it wasn't for entertainment, so it's not just fun and games. Every time there's a meaning. And so it'd be good to come out of the rain and listen. You know? So there was, imagine a scenario of a, a Dharma student coming to a uh, Lama, a Dzogchen Lama, and saying, oh, I have so many mental afflictions coming up into my mind. A lot of craving coming up, a lot of hostility coming up. Then I sit down, try to practice shamatha, my mind's wandering over the place. And then, then it gets really dull and get quite crabby on occasion. And I have a lot of low self-esteem. And what, oh, Lama, please give me your advice. And you know what the Lama said? That's the Tibetan translation for stop it. <laughs> Just give it a rest, you know. The whole notion, even conventionally, of being a sentient being is optional. <laughs> That's a really outrageous proposition. <laughs> that you really don't have to wait three countless eons. It actually is optional, but you have to see there's a choice, and then you can make a choice. And as long as you don't know the choice, you can't. So there it is. So don't be surprised from now on if our weekly meetings are a bit shorter. <laughs> it's going to make my job a lot easier. <laughs> Oh, lasso. So, I must say, I really enjoyed that. I listened to it this morning. I thought, oh, yeah, got to share that. Lasso, uh, we will move on in Padmasambhava's magnificent treasure here. Um, and the commentary will be very short. I think the, the, more, the more we go into this, the less I need to say. Padmasambhava, the tantras that he's citing it, say it all. So we'll return very briefly to the text, and we're going on page 131 now. So, again, this passage, and this is another citation from the Tantra of the Three Phases of Liberation by Observation, Liberation by Seeing. So it begins, O Lord of Mysteries, O Lord of Mysteries, give me your undivided attention. There's nothing mysterious about that, except that it does kind of point to shamatha. And it's the same old theme. I, I know I'm a broken record, but that's what broken records do. Is we've got to bring a mind that is a suitable vessel to these teachings. If you can't even pay attention, if you can't sustain your attention, then you know, you're pouring in the nectar of Dzogchen and it's just leaking right out the bottom. So, so this, this is why here for these eight weeks, I really quite passionately encourage you, people listening by podcast, people here, 
to keep come, coming back to your shamatha. We haven't outgrown it until you've achieved shamatha. Once you've achieved shamatha, you don't have to practice shamatha anymore. You just go in there for a little rest once in a while and then come out. But then you're really in expedition mode. You know, whether vipassana, whether it's bodhicitta, state regeneration, completion, whatever you're doing. But uh, we have unfinished business. Unfinished business. In Tibetan it's called leto. Leto. Start as le means karma. To means leftover. Some, some work that's got left over, that hasn't been finished yet, not used up. Leto from a, a previous life is if you start some venture. I mean, bodhicitta is all about leto, really. Leto, karma, residue, karma, momentum. But to is something left over, spilled over, not yet finished. So this is the difference between the following an, the path of an arhat and the following the path of a bodhisattva. An arhat wants out. That is, a person following the Shravagayana wants out. Sees with penetrating insight just the, that, that samsara really is actually all suffering. And that includes all the good stuff, all the bounties of samsara. It's still dukkha. It just never gets outside of dukkha. Just like in Dzogchen, we say nothing is outside the realm of, of Rikpa, from this perspective, from the Shravakayana perspective, and it's a very deeply authentic one, nothing in samsara is outside of suffering. Shamatha, form realm, formless realms, bliss, money, wealth, sex, you name it. It's all in the realm of dukkha. And so the person on the Shravakayana seeing this it says, there's just nothing here I want. And, and annihilation is not an option. Therefore, I want out. And out is, I want to go linear. I want to go from here to nirvana with no remainder. That's what it's called, with no remainder, right? Oh, yeah. So then you're finished. I mean, that's the ideal. Then you're finished. You wave goodbye on your way out. You're a dying arhat. Bye. I've done what I need to do. Now it's your turn. If you want to do it, do it. I can do it. You can do it. So good luck. I might even write a book or two, but now I'm gone. <laughs> you know, and be an island unto yourself. I was, you know, and wish him luck on the way out. The Bodhisattva. Oh, dear. <laughs> for as long as space remains, for as long as sentient beings remain, so long shall I remain to alleviate the suffering of the world. You have leto. You have unfinished business. until all sentient beings are free. Whew. Thank goodness you, the you that has unfinished business, isn't you. Isn't your coarse mind. Isn't your substrate consciousness. Otherwise, I think we just all have a heart attack. You know. So forget it. You know. But as long as the you is the same one that's arousing great compassion, right? I, without relying on anybody else, will relieve, will free all sentient beings from suffering and its causes. Okay, there's one perspective for when that's not just deranged or incredibly, just catastrophically, massively, forget about it. So that's leto. But until, on the, just the little micro level, until we've achieved shamatha, in terms of following a path, we have some leto, we have some unfinished business, right? 
So this is why I'm encouraging you here in this eight weeks. Definitely, as from we're going with the morning sessions, which we'll start in a little while, we'll go right into the practice, you know, the Dzogchen practice. Right? But keep on coming back to attending to the unfinished business. That finally, sooner or later, right? Sooner or later, when the outer mandala, the inner mandala are right, then just finish the business. And then you can really think seriously about following the path in this lifetime. You know. Without shamatha, forget about it. I don't care who you are. You can be a tuku, a rinpoche, Christian, Buddhist, Shravagayana, Vajrayana, it doesn't matter. You don't have shamatha. You don't have a mind that is suitable vessel for these teachings. So we're not wasting time in entering into these before shamatha. But all of this is designed to be synergistic. That is, the, whatever understanding, whatever flavor, whatever taste you have of the Dzogchen practice, this will inspire, invigorate, give power to your shamatha practice. And your shamatha practice will turn around and do reciprocal service. Right? So, leto, leto. So he says, give you undivided attention. And not just for three seconds. Right? For as long as he's speaking. So you ready? Undivided attention. That's what he's asking for. Your own distinct conscious awareness is the Buddha. So you are not to seek for the Buddha elsewhere. (laughs) Your own distinct, uh, isn't that interesting? Distinct. Not that there's some cosmic awareness out of there in which you somehow participate and this cosmic galactic super duper consciousness is Buddha. It's your distinct, it's Martas and Daniels and, and Martins and you know, Amir's distinct, distinct conscious awareness. It's nothing other than Buddha. So, own what's yours. Right? Don't pretend you have you don't own it. Your own distinct, he says it again, your own distinct flickering awareness is constantly clear. So for the Buddha Dhammakaya, there is no meditation to be accomplished. That's Buddhahood without meditation. right? Your own awareness, keeps on saying that, doesn't he? Because this is a very literal translation. Your own awareness, Right? Not somebody else's. Your own awareness. The Dharmakaya is without birth and death. So in terms of action, there is no virtue or vice. From that perspective. No birth or death. So simply give up all attachment to an identification with your body, your mind, you know, that one, the one that rises dependent upon the brain, and so forth. Just it's not yours anyway, you know, any more than this chair. I mean, really, it's the same. This chair, nobody else gets to sit on it. You don't sit on it, do you? When I'm not here, anybody sitting on this chair? Better not. My chair. For, for eight weeks. <laughs> eight weeks, boy, you know. On that whatever Thursday or Wednesday night, whenever it is, you know, and we all say goodbye, farewell, da-da. Suddenly... My endowed chair is expired. I know how long I have any retired chair. So that's it. Then it won't be my chair anymore. It began to be my chair on the night I started teaching here. And then it's just going to be a chair. Just a chair. Not a Dharma throne, just 
a chair. It could wind up in the sports hotel. And somebody else is going to sit on it. Undoubtedly, I, think, I, I don't think they're going to enshrine it. Alan sat here. I don't think that's going to happen. It's just a chair. And your body's just a body. It's no different. Your body has no more of a personality or personhood, a self, than this chair does. Right? And your mind's just a mind. It arises independence upon all those chemicals and electricity in your brain. How personal is that? Because it really does arise independence upon that. We know that. Strong correlations. So it doesn't sound like it's mine if it's arising in stuff. If my mind, so-called, is arising independence upon the chemicals and electricity in my brain, and they're not really mine. I'm, after all, magnesium is magnesium. Sodium is sodium. Electricity is electricity. It's not my sodium, my magnesium, my neurons, my glial cells, whatever they do. You know, I don't even know what they do. And I think a good portion of my brain is made of glial cells, right? It's unknown territory. It's like the Louisiana Purchase. Whatever is there, it's mine. But I know it's there. <laughs> so how can something that arises in dependence on stuff I don't even know about be mine in any significant way? It's mine, yeah, like this chair, this body, this mind. But just give it a rest, you know. Just release it. Release that mind into space. Release your body into space. And then when you release all attachment to and identification with that which wasn't yours in the first place, then you don't die. Which is kind of cool, because we kind of fear death, right? But then you don't die. For a very simple reason, nothing really weird about it. But you're not identifying with anything that does die. And therefore you don't die. Right? If I fiercely identified with this chair, I know it's silly, but I like to sometimes just use a symbol. If I really identified with this chair, kind of started taking, I'd go a little bit crazy, more crazy than I am right now, and I start thinking, this really is an endowed chair, this is the Dharma throne, it's the Alan Wallace Dharma throne, uh, you know, and I really start making this as part of my identity, this is where I live, this is my home, this is, this is my natural abiding place, you know, and then somebody burns it, just they, 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 they yank, me, yank me out of my room, yank me in here, and then they torch the chair. I'd be going, no, no, it's, it's my only chair. It'd be torture, right? You're, you're ripping my heart out. This is my home. I'm a Dharma teacher. How can you be a Dharma teacher with no Dharma throne? You've ripped my very identity out of my heart. You know? <laughs> because I'm identifying with it. That's it. So that's what he's talking about. There's awareness of without birth and without death. Why don't you if you can identify with something? Why not that one? It's a better bet. It's a long-term investment. <coughs> really long-term investment. Body, mind, short-term investment, and you know it's going to go bust. That's one of those companies you just know. It's, especially when you get to Rose's age. Oh, my goodness. Like, this is a company that's going to fail. You look at the body, it's just getting wrinklier and wrinklier and wrinklier. If you just do time-lapse photography, you can see that black hair just turning grayer and grayer, snow white. You know, this is a company that's going down. Right? True. <laughs> She's laughing there, like, you know, why should, it, why should that be my concern? <laughs> you know? It's just the body. <laughs> you know? She doesn't care. 
if you're not really deeply invested in the firm, it goes bankrupt. You say, well, easy come, easy go. You know, no big deal, right? I <laughs> saw <Yeah. laughs> so a little bit of raise of eyebrows. Maybe she hasn't quite, you know, shifted her portfolio. You know, from the investment in this body, this mind, over to total investment in Buddha nature, it's a much better investment. Long-term gains are outstanding. Really, really good. <laughs> Hola, so? A little bit more. I like the way this one starts. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Bring a little, little bit of Southern Baptist evangelical in here. Oh, Lord. Just this unceasing, distinct, clear, and present awareness of yours is the Buddha. Since it is inseparable from this unceasingly clear awareness of yours, for the Dharmakaya, there is nothing on which to meditate. You may recognize that, that this distinct and clear you may recognize that this distinct and clear awareness of yours is the Buddha. Boy, was that a nice compliment to Bob Newhart. What he's saying, and then that, that funny skit was, you do have a choice here. You can still, you can think of yourself as, you know, I'm in a box, I really don't like it, I'm terrified, I'm claustrophobic, and so forth. You can, you can slip, you can maintain that rut, that grind, and make yourself unhappy. You know. Or, and that's your choice. But you actually do have a choice. And that's what Bob Newhart was saying, Buddha Bob. No, that's Bob, that's Bob Thurman. That's somebody else. <laughs> that's how he's affectionately called, Buddha Bob Thurman, one of my teachers. Um, but there it is. We have a choice. That's the biggest choice we have, I think, isn't it? Is there a bigger choice than that one? To practice Dharma and not to practice Dharma? That's a good one. But to choose whether to continue identifying yourself as a central being or not, that's a pretty big choice. And that's what we're invited to do here, to make a choice and then follow through. And you can follow through with con continuity if you've developed your attention skills and continue. We consider, I mean, consider in, in America, I don't know how many other countries this is true. Some people, I think, still make New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions, okay? Start of a new year, start afresh, be born, born anew. And if you have some old bad habits, then now's the time to make a New Year's resolution, a enactment of prospective memory. Remember that one? To remember to do or not do something in the future. Right? So it's, it's a kind of nice ritual. Some people do it. Um, in order to be able to make a New Year's resolution, it's not enough simply to have in mind what you'd like to do make a decision, and then implement it on January 1st, you actually have to maintain the awareness that that was your decision right. through the next 364 days. And not make a decision, and then one day later, forgot that you ever made the decision. And so when we're having about to have a 24-minute session, you make the decision at the beginning, right? This is going to be 24 minutes of meditation. Make that decision, right? 
and then how many, se- how many minutes or seconds is it before you can't recall having made that decision? Right? Your new session resolve or resolution has been forgotten. So we just keep on coming back to that. And in this approach, we keep on coming back by way of release. It's so easy, especially in, our, our, in, in modernity, which is, has so much to do with ego, to think, I know how to do this. I'm going to clench both fists and I'm going to grit my teeth and furrow my brow, and I will, I will remember, I will remember, I will remember, to will, will remember to relax. <laughs> so we do, right? <laughs> Just like trying really, really hard to fall asleep. Oh, that works out well. Olaso. So let's have our beginning chanting, and then we'll go directly to the meditation. Sam <laughs> Guru Pema Sidi Hung Hung Magi Yukil Sam Pema Gesa Dombola Yamsen Choki Mudobnye Pema Jone Shesuta Kodu Kando Mambuko Keki Jesu Datubki
Omahum and the Guru Pemesiri Hum. Now it's the time to switch positions if you wish. Olasu. Uh, a brief comment about shamatha, back to shamatha. And that is when these the thoughts, the emotions, all the kind of distractions come to mind, I suggest we basically have two strategies, and both of them are, th- are legitimate, authentic, can be effective. And one is to, for example, in taking the mind as a path, the thoughts and so forth come up, just, just let them be, you know, you know so just, and they will self-release, they'll just release all by themselves. So you know, you know about that one. But just do bear in mind the, that there's another technique as well, taught by great Mahasiddhas like Maitripa and Tsongkhapa and so forth. And that is, when they would come up, just cut them. Just cut them right off. You know? Like a door-to-door salesman that's coming and wants to sell, sell you something you already know you don't want. You don't start a conversation with them. You don't let them give their spiel and go on and on and on. But wait a minute, I have more. Oh, we have a second. You know, you just say, no thank you. Or pet. Whatever you like, you know, whatever, whatever works. Yeah. So I heard a wonderful analogy of this not long ago. One of you uh, reported on a dream. And it was a lucid dream. And when unpleasant things happen in a lucid dream, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. If you're lucid in the dream and something really unpleasant happens, well, you don't need to be upset. It can't harm you. So you just let it be and it will release itself, right? But that's not your only choice in, in practicing dream yoga. You can just let it be, unravel, no problem. You can do that, right? But another, another possibility is you just cut it off. So here's a story. It was one of the most delightful stories I've heard since I've been here. But one of you was having a lucid dream. And a, person, a man appeared in the dream, and his skin was covered with snakes. Just covered with snakes. Really kind of disgusting, very unappealing. And the person happened to be a woman. She looked at this man and just found, yeah. She knew she was lucid. You know what she did with the man? She ate him. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Reminds me of kind of a mother guppy. I raised, I raised tropical fish when I was a little kid. And guppies, you have to be very careful. Because if a, a guppy gives birth, they sometimes eat their own young. They come out one end and they take it in the other. So you can imagine if you're a mother guppy and you've just given birth to a really ugly baby. <laughs> like, whoa, you one ugly baby. <laughs> you turn around and turn <laughs> The this snake-covered man came right out of the substrate. <laughs> right back into the substrate. So thank you for sharing that. I, I really love the image. Next time I see a snake-covered man, I'm going to eat him too. <laughs> All right, I want to end on a, a, a very profound note. It's also a lot of fun, but it is profound. And it entails two quotes. And one is from Padmasambhava, the lake-born Vajra, from the Vajra essence. It's short, so try to focus. The emergence of sentient beings out of ignorance of the ground, the ground of being, is like the sun. 
the emergence of conceptual mental processes from the mind is like the rays of the sun. The emergence of appearances from mental processes is like the light of the sun. Powerful metaphor. And I told you my mind is unified. It actually is. It doesn't mean enlightened or anything. It just means that they all talk to each other. Here's something I just read yesterday from Roger Penrose, who I think many regard as the most brilliant mathematical physicist alive. And here's what he states. Hold the two in mind if you can. Light rays should be thought as projective elements. What does that mean? A light ray has a direction, but no fixed length. From its point of view, it is if you were a light ray, from its point of view, it is wherever it was and where it will ever be at the same instant. Of course, slower moving observers see things differently. I see a photon that was created in, an, in a nuclear explosion on Alpha Centauri that traveled 4.37 years until it is absorbed and destroyed in my eye. But for the photon itself, no time has passed, no distance was traveled. Light rays are projective points and make the space of special relativity a projective space. It's poetry. The relationship between the two is poetry. You know, that when we consider all of the magnificent theories that have emerged, I have most appreciation maybe for physics, that's the way I was trained. All of these theories, beautiful theories actually, theories of quantum field theory, that all configurations of mass energy emerge out of space, and space is permeated by its own energy, the zero-point energy of the electromagnetic vacuum. These elegant theories, and actually really beautiful theories. Where did all the theories emerge from? Your own substrate. Deeper down, where did they emerge from? Rigpa. They're all metaphors. They're all metaphors coming from the same source. They're all metaphors of seeking to understand reality, given the tools we have at our disposal. If you're a mathematician, that's what you say. If you're a Padmasambhava, that's what you say. But Roger Penrose is Padmasambhava. You know, together with Isabel and Catherine and Fran. You know, all something from the same place. So it's quite wonderful. So our meetings this morning will be five minutes late. <laughs> and you're going. <laughs> Enjoy your day.